0: All right, so we're back. We're uh, back. the The Illenials Podcast is back
1: with episode one. Episode one. Right, and uh, as usual, I am uh, Smith, and this is Head, Lead, Executive Host <laughs> Seth. I, you know what? I am going to just accept my role as just Smith. I have no titles here. Okay, there are there. That's are, fine. I, I make no pretensions of power or authority. That's fine. Um, but. Speaking of pretensions
0: of power and authority, mm-hmm. let's jump right into what I'm assuming is our first topic of the day. Yeah. Uh, EA and the current Battlefront 2 debacle that's yeah. going on with gamers. So, uh, just to break it down for anyone who isn't acutely aware, um, Star Wars Battlefront 2, which is a very highly anticipated game, uh, just it just came out like uh, Friday, which would be November 17th or something. Mm-hmm. And. Leading up to it, we people found out that there's a lot of loot box uh, controversy going on, which is where people, game companies are charging people to buy these loot boxes, which give you a random assortment of things. Which in most game, in most games that first did loot boxes were purely cosmetic or just small things here and there, something that stuff like Overwatch does. Yeah. Um, however, the the ones in Battlefront Two and stuff like also Call of Duty World War Two that just came out are giving you in-game advantages for spending money. And there's been a lot of controversy, uh, not only around that, but around how much time you can put into the game just to unlock stuff if you don't spend money on it.
1: Um, and so, yeah, we'll start us off here. Um, so this whole loot box thing is going on. You know, as you said, it's, it's been going on for a while, and it's been... Somewhat uh, uh, prevalent in sort of a lot of like free to play type games yes. or like pay once near good games, and now it's starting to get into these into like the the more triple uh, A sort of games where normally you pay sixty bucks and you expect a pretty big exp- experience out of what you pay. Um and I think that there's the newest uh, uh Forza or Need for Speed has the same issue with like yeah, unlocking need cars. Speed. Need for Speed and it's loot box issue as well. But for Battlefront 2, the issue there was that you could pay for let's say Darth Vader as a character using the in-game currency, but someone mathed it out and it would take like like if you were to work a work like pay if you were to play the game 8 hours a day, 5 days a week like a full-time job You would not have unlocked all the content by the time that Episode nine of the Star Wars movies is supposed to come out.
0: Yeah, I read there was somebody on the forums really early on posted that it would take 4,400 hours or $2,100 to get everything in the game. Which, you know, I think game companies aren't really looking out for people who don't have a lot of time to play games. I mean, a lot of people I know who have full-time jobs, they come home, they have maybe an hour or two, if they're really into the game, three hours to play it before they have to do stuff and get ready for the next day of work, mm-hmm. and their weekends aren't, super, aren't you know, just back-to-back gaming sessions either, so, and it's just, it's really hurting those kinds of people, because, I mean, people still want to play these games, I mean, you call a game Battlefront Two, people think about the original Battlefront Two, which was an incredible game that mm-hmm. was before all this loot box and DLC bullshit happened, mm-hmm. so it was a full game, and one of, it was one of the most fun games most of us ever played when we were young, so you call Games Battlefront, people expect that experience and, yeah they want it. And the game and the, the thing is the game looks great. The the best graphics I've seen for a Star Wars game, obviously. Like I watch I've watched people play it on like YouTube and it's so great. It looks good, the the mechanics all seem fine, but it's hard to support the game. And me and you are actually almost hypocrites. Yeah. Almost. Um, because we've ta- we talked about this last week too about the whole loot box thing. And after we recorded we both pre-ordered Battlefront Two. We did. Almost became the worst hypocrites possible. Mm-hmm. A couple of days later, both canceled our pre-orders once all the the really big bad stuff came out about it, and and it still sucks because I still really want to play the game. I feel like I mean, even though I've heard the single player campaign is just okay, I just want to play it because it just it looks good. And I know that I'll have fun playing a good looking Star Wars game because there's not any that exists at this point. All the old Star Wars games are. Fun, but they just don't have that, that graphical capability you kind of want and know that these games can have at this point.
1: And one thing I've heard is that their business model is depending on. Have you ever heard of whales in yes. games? People who pay a lot of money uh, to get certain benefits. Like they call them. You know, they're called whales. They're they're people who have tons of social income and will pump it into these games, and they pretty much base their 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 microtransactions around those people. But I'm thinking to myself, how many of them could there possibly be, and how much income do they really have that's disposable? It cannot support an ecosystem of these games forever. I think that the problem that is really happening here with EA and this game is that they are creating an abusive cycle of loot boxes, which first of all are a terrible system for a game like this because they prey on gambling types, addictive personalities, Mm -hmm. children as well, and that's not cool, first of all. But also it's creating an unsustainable environment in which eventually this thing is going to crash. And a lot of people are going to end up uh, holding the hat. And you know what? Hey, happens to be the rich. I'm fine with them losing money on this prospect. Yes. But the problem is, it is it's affecting video games. And here's another thing as well that I want to get into real fast. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people, when I've brought this up to people I know, they've laughed at it. They said, who cares? Who cares about... Uh, loot boxes and unlocking things in video games. It's a video game. It's not affecting your real life. But I've seen so much anger, so much of an outpouring of 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 uh, discontent with this decision from people who are normally pretty disengaged, who people who would classify themselves as consumers, which is a terrible identity, just like gamer is a terrible identity, consumer yeah. is a terrible identity, too. And But here's the thing. I feel that that, that energy and that discontent can be channeled towards other things that are also affecting them and they may not not be so aware of and other people as well because we live in a society where the capitalists have provided us with a modicum of bread and a lot of circuses. You know, bread and circuses. They have given us enough entertainment to live off of. But now, because our boy Marx was right and the rate of profit... Is falling. They're trying to find more ways to extract cash from people in activities that normally would have been used to keep you complacent. And so, this issue of loot boxes and locking content away behind paywalls and gambling is now starting to wake people up to the fact that, hey, this is wrong. And if you can start getting in there and helping them to see a little bit more, they might then see. Maybe other things are wrong too. Yes. Why are other things costing me so much money? Why are they trying to nickel and dime me for everything for my already low paycheck? Why? Maybe that's also wrong. And it's a great way to, I think, radicalize people into seeing there are bigger issues beyond this that are affecting other people and themselves. And we can start waking people up and getting them mad at the system.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, it, it wasn't. It's really not that long ago. That you would pay sixty dollars for a video game, fifty or even fifty back on the PlayStation Two days, fifty or sixty dollars for a video game, and that game would be all the entertainment you needed for however long it was and however long multiplayer is going to make you uh, be happy. Because the one thing I always want to ask people, especially if you buy loot boxes for stuff like Call of Duty World War Two or Battlefront Two, is like, you sp- let's say you spend two hundred dollars on this game extra on what you already paid, like are you even going to be playing this game in a year or a year and a half? Is that money really going to be, you know, is are you really putting your money in the right place, you mm-hmm. know? And most people don't. Most people are totally null in games. I mean, I've, I've spent money on microtransactions as well, purely cosmetic ones for League of Legends, which is a game that I've been playing for four and a half years now and have no plans of stopping anytime soon. So I know my investment is safe there. Um, and that's another thing that's kind of come up recently is investments in digital games because of, Disney cutting ties with Gazillion Entertainment mm-hmm. and shutting down Marvel heroes yeah. to where people are now demanding their money back um, from this online game. Which, as much as I don't, as much as I think that things shouldn't cost a lot in games, even if they are free to play, I think that they're a little out of out of control here because mm-hmm. you paid money for an online game that you you know you're putting your mo- your money into something that could crash at any moment. Mm-hmm. And, but you're choosing it because you want that fund right now. And right. you know that it could go away any day. I don't think that people should be allowed refunds for this.
1: Well, hold on now. Because here's here's my opinion on this. Okay. Is that the system already was bad. That, oh, yeah. that first of all, we have to we have to go way back to the idea that, that, that capitalism is a broken system that is hurting people. But the idea that you can put your money into something and it can disappear is bad. And obviously there's all these EULAs and stuff that say you're not going to get your cash back if the service goes under. And that's... It's weird because we're basing our assumptions of whether I should get a refund off of the like the very idea that they paid in the system in the first place when they shouldn't have had to pay. But the bigger issue to me is that they had to pay in the first place to get the thing because the game is based around this sort of we have to sustain ourselves over the years because the game I believe is free. It's it was, a free to play yeah. game. Marvel Heroes is free to play. Um, it was and. You have to then continue to pay into the system to keep it running, kind of like a subscription fee game, but you pay for certain op- things, not a subscription. And the idea of that, that money can disappear overnight because of decisions that have nothing to do with you, hurts.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sucks.
1: People want their refunds back, but anyone who asks for one will be told. You knew what you were signing up for. Yeah. Oh, wait, you didn't because you didn't read the EULA because no one reads those things. Stop putting them in shit. We don't care. But you have to accept that. That document just exists to fuck you over. Yeah. Entirely.
0: Yeah, I I entirely agree with that. And, yeah, and I think that, and like you were saying earlier, I do think that it's really interesting how backlash towards video games is actually going to be a good way to transition people into maybe leftward thinking and stuff like that because i mean people got really mad about those battlefront 2 thing people more people got i'm pretty sure i think ea got more tweets about battlefront 2 than the fcc has about net neutrality yeah and and once again if you can just mobilize because those those are basically the same kind of people in the end you know gamers who play online games are gonna be for net neutrality obviously Mm -hmm. And you just want to. All you need to do is convert that base over and realize, you know, you can really mobilize this group of people because even though gamers are very different from each other, um, they do believe they do have a similar central goal of mm-hmm. I just want to play games, right? And yeah. the easiest way to do that is in an open environment, in an open, you know, uh, free network of
1: people. well, as we saw with 2014 and the GamerGate thing. People can be pushed rightwards very easily over over identity politics bullshit, where we don't want no girls or whatever. It was bullshit. The whole thing was bullshit, and it was taken advantage of by right wing grifters. That proves to you that these people can be mobilized towards things albeit that was a very bad thing they were mobilized yes, towards, yes. but I saw people come out of that thing on the other side as well. People who went to the left over this because of what they saw as sort of injustice uh, that was taking place with this, this harassment stuff. And I feel like there's such a potential energy there that can be mobilized. And I think it's somewhat our responsibility as people on the left who are, who are into video games and movies and, and TV shows and stuff uh, to sort of help people who are less politically aware than us guide to the left because and this is sort of a bigger issue in our society as a whole the center is failing. The The centrists are on both the left and the right the center left, center right, they are failing they're, 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 there's no vision for the future other than we'll just manage people. Stagnation. the Stagnation. Stagnation, yeah, we want this the end of history you know, Francis Fukuyama bullshit where we're going to never change. Obviously that thesis has been disproven and history is going to continue going and the center's not got any answers for anybody especially our age the millennials of the world there's no way for them to help us right so people are going to be pulled to the left or to the right and we have a responsibility as people that live in this society who are on the left to try and help those people who are less politically aware be guided to the left because we have seen what happens when we don't and they go to the right and it gets really fucking bad for a bunch of people involved.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And yeah, we're just we're we're like like we we just keep reiterating we we're living in a time where something's gonna have to give eventually. And like you said, people in the center they're gonna have to choose a side. And because it's just November 9th, twenty sixteen, a lot of stuff changed. And. <laughs> Even on other like you know TV shows and like interview shows that I watch, I've heard a lot of people who are like, "Oh yeah, I was actually never into politics until the Trump election, and now they're like, now I need to be into it because mm-hmm. I do think things need to change." Right. And so maybe it was a good wake up call for people, which is good because people, you know, people who are just complacent and centrist and before might actually become active and think about stuff more. And then, like we're saying, the other side of this is gamers, people who like who you know, maybe not all of them, but do like to live a slightly sedentary lifestyle and don't really have to look out stuff outside of their world, are kind of opening themselves up to this mm-hmm. stuff as well. And I think that's really good.
1: And the thing is, that's either, it's either kind of an embarrassment to us as, as a people and a species that is taking so long for those people, like gamers, as we call them, to wake up to how bad things are getting, or it's a credit to how well capitalism has managed to to basically manage people To the point where they wouldn't be resistant or they would be complacent and quiet and just accept their little bit they get and think that's okay. Who knows? Maybe that, I mean, I do know they're very effective for that. They've been dividing us up and keeping us quiet for a very long time. So, I mean, credit to the system where, where it's worked. To be fair, it's an evil system that works, but it is still a system. But you know what, speaking of that net neutrality you were talking about, yeah. did you hear what happened this week with the vote the FCC had? No. Where they have, net neutrality is next week, they're, gonna, yes. they're, they're probably going to kill net neutrality, sadly. Um, but this week, it did something else. They re- lifted restrictions on companies owning broadcast corporations. Yes. So that now, a corporation can own more than one broadcast company, and in fact, there's no more restrictions on owning all the broadcast companies In a certain market, which means that one company could buy all the stations in a certain market, like, say, our market. (coughs) Disney. Yeah. And then they could control any news that comes out of that station, which is horrifying. Oh, yeah. That's a terrible idea, because it means that then your news could be provided by the same source with whatever bent or angle they want. And the worst thing, in my opinion, is not... All conservative or all liberal, it would be one person controlling both the liberal and the conservative viewpoint and guiding them towards whatever it is they want. Illuminati four twenty sixty nine. I don't know why I said that, but Illuminati four twenty (laughs) sixty nine. Indeed.
0: And yeah, that's a scary thing because I mean we've even seen seen things recently. I mean, I just made a joke about Disney. You know, Disney had that L.A. Times ban Mm -hmm. um, just because you know, and it wasn't because. They said something about their movies. It was because they said something about their politics. Yeah,
1: and their well, their their business practices of doing shady shit with real estate in California.
0: Yes. And uh, what's the name of the guy who's in charge of Disney who's going to start in politics soon?
1: Oh fuck! What is that dude's name? Uh, you talk, I'll look for it.
0: Okay. So basically, uh, the CEO, the CFO, whatever he is at Disney, he's a, he's a bigwig, rich guy. He is an awful person. Has terrible business practices. Even though Disney does make very good stuff, it doesn't mean that they're an entirely pure company on the inside. And he is uh, planning to retire. I think at the end of this year or next year.
1: Bob Iger. Bob is his name. Iger. Bob yes, Iger. yes,
0: yes. And he wants to transition into being a politician, mm-hmm. which is, as we've found out, something that maybe people who are billionaires uh, shouldn't do. Um, it doesn't. They don't really know how to represent the interest of the populace and. But they, they have enough money to trick people into voting for them. Mm-hmm. And they have shady tactics, just like what Donald Trump did to become president. And it worked. I mean, it worked very well for him. And, you know, he's in, he's president now. So I think that we should, as a people, try and stop this as it's happening. We let one big, big, big mistake happen. Mm. And we need to from now on not let... I mean, not that he's the first rich person to ever become a politician. I right, mean, yeah. definitely not. But we definitely need to tamper this down... And maybe have people who have, are interested in mine coming to politics because billionaires only represent less than 100,000th of a percent of people.
1: I think uh, it's 0.0009% of the U.S. population are billionaires. Yes. And, and to for that, all you have to do is look at this fucking tax bill. They're trying to pass, which is a huge tax break for the people at the top, but would, and it would, oh, here's the thing, it would ease taxes on the middle class for five years, but the corporate tax rate is going to remain in effect permanently. It's the, it's going to lower their tax rate, make them pay less. And just see that video where that fucking like chud from who runs our finance ministry or whatever he's fucking called, where he, he's in that room full of CEOs and he says, we're going to, we're going to lower your taxes. Who's going to invest more in capital uh, investments here in America? And like five guys raise their hands and he's like, why aren't you all raising your hands? Because they're fucking being yeah, honest. They're honest. not going to invest more money in America. They're going to take that cash you let them keep and give it to themselves. It was a huge moment that just like, for for, for a second, the veil lifted and we all saw... The, the kimono was parted. The kimono was parted and we don't, and they don't give a fuck about you. They're going to take that money they give, they give you and they're not going to hire more workers or give us more benefits. They're going to put it in their fucking bank accounts over in the fucking Cayman Islands or some shit where we can't get to it. Yeah. I
0: mean, it's just this idea of... I mean, it's almost like Smaug from The Hobbit of hoarding all of this money and doing nothing with it. Not putting it back into the economy. Not supporting this economy that you have have earned so much from. You're not even supporting it anymore. You're taking capital out and putting nothing back in. Mm -hmm. And that's a dangerous practice. I mean, the whole point of an economy is to have money circulating. Um, Otherwise, you know, there's just these big these big rich people and all the poor people at the bottom who have nothing and can't get anywhere because there's not enough jobs, and not enough money circulating for us to take something, you know?
1: And that's, that's... See, in theory, that's how a capitalist economy should work, is that the rich will be constantly putting their money back into circulation and it will be flowing, you know, to people to do jobs and make things, and it will continue moving around. But in reality... It doesn't work, and we've known this since the 1930s when the stock market crash happened. It had to be bailed out by the government, and and there will be a centennial crash coming again. We had it in 2008 when no one got punished, again, for that, for crashing our economy because they exploit the way that it works because the idea of the free market is bullshit because a free market abhors competition it wants a monopoly on everything it wants one person to run the whole thing right and the government has to continually occasionally when they do when they used to intercede and break up these things and keep it from happening so that means that the free market isn't free it's a sham it's a lie and it always has been since the moment we had to first intervene
0: just a facade of what they want what they want you to read in your history books when you're in middle school and then just accept it as fact forever Although, apparently, with this Nazi uprising, maybe everything we learned in middle school, we're not taking this fat anymore, which has a negative side as well, apparently. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and they, they they just want us to think that everything's okay, think everything's fine, give, give people who are in the middle, give them this, give them that, while taking maybe one or two things away, and make them think they're in control or that the government has their best interest in mind when they really only have their best interest in mind. People at the top, uh, people at the very, very top. And even and even internationally, they just they just wanna work with other rich people who can just make it, keep everyone keep ten people as rich as possible and everyone else below them and right. not help everybody out.
1: Mm-hmm. And the liberal uh, decision for that would be, hey, let's make eleven people the richest people in the world uh, and we'll add a woman to it, you know, or, yeah. or, or, or a fucking, uh, who knows who it'll be. It'll be, uh, it'll be, a uh, uh, Hillary Clinton will become the, uh, the lowest rich person in the world. And we're fine yeah. with that. You'll yeah, just accept that, accept that rule. Now here's the thing. First of all, before anyone comes at us over this shit, I voted for Hillary Clinton. Yes, I did. I went to the polls. Uh, first of all, I voted for my boy Bernie in the primary, but I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to be one of Bernie or Buffy people. I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton because I saw the opposition was and all that shit. It worked on me. Yeah. Now I'm much, much, much less forgiving of Hillary Clinton and the Democrats as a whole, who I feel have failed us on every conceivable level that there is. They have lost at politics, and they need to be co-opted from within and turned to a better purpose.
0: Yes, this is this is the prequel trilogy. Okay, <laughs> this is Star Wars prequels. We have yeah. to take them over from within. Yeah, and become the Sith. I don't care. I don't care if they're the bad guys in the movies.
1: Mm-hmm. They're, they're fine. Well, to be fair, the Jedi are also kind of the bad guys. Yeah,
0: they're very very arrogant, yeah. as we've discovered. The
1: Jedi are the liberal elite of the Democrats. You're fucking right. They live in a literal ivory tower, D.C., and they look down at everyone else and they know better than us, and they want to manage the Republic for as long as possible. That's what it is. Yeah,
0: the prequels are very political. They we'll talk about, very political. We'll talk, about, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about Star Wars some other day. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But...
1: I do want to talk about one thing real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Circle back to a topic we were talking about before, which is again video games. And if you think about this whole loot box incident, it's kind of been prefaced by a different thing which people don't think about as very much the season pass, season pass. idea. Because again, a $60 price point is too low for the capitalists to reap enough benefit out of you. But if they raise it up to 70 or 80 or however many dollars, there'd be a huge outcry from people. So instead, they have decided to insidiously take away certain content from the yeah. video game. The $8 version isn't the game plus, it's the game, mm-hmm. and the
0: $60 is the game minus.
1: Exactly. They, they want to sell it to you as a plus, but it's actually not. And these season passes can be like $20, $35, $40 dollars in some cases yes. to give you all this stuff over a certain amount of time. And they've been doing that. For years, and, and
0: that was the controversy with Battlefront 1 that came out two years ago. Um, it was a big season pass thing because the game, th- there was no single player in the game, there were like three or four maps for multiplayer, um, for each mode, um, and barely anything for the uh, the assault missions mm-hmm. as you're, when you're in uh, a speeder or whatever. And people were very upset because the season pass was like 30 or 40 bucks, and that's where you got. I mean, and even with the season pass, that game was still never complete, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you only got a couple more maps and a couple of new heroes and stuff to use. And that was the big outcry then. And then they just didn't learn their lesson and decided to do something even worse with Battlefront well, 2. Which not, has
1: a season pass and loot box. It's not they didn't learn their lesson. They did learn their lesson, which is that people will pay for this shit, and they're going to continue to do it until we eventually say no, like me and you did. We canceled our pre-orders. We need people... And as sad as it is to say that they need to get radicalized over video games, they need to get radicalized over video games. Again, I hate that it has to be this way, but there are very few problems that are going to get through to the kind of person that is affected by this, primarily. Well, don't forget, I mean... We won. EA suspended microtransactions in Battlefront 2. Temporarily. For,
0: for, a, for a period. T-
1: until they <laughs> While, Until like, they, they
0: fine tune the reward system.
1: Well, remember that fucking thing re- that we found out where they lowered the costs of the things? And they the- also lowered the reward exactly. system. Exactly. They um, fought with you on two levels. And have you heard
0: about the, the arcade mode? Mm mm. You heard of this? No. Um, you know
1: Boogie on YouTube, right? I've heard of him, yeah.
0: Yeah, the, the bigger dude who does the.
1: Oh, yeah, he's the angry guy, guy. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um. So he was streaming on Twitch, and he was playing Arcade Mode, which is actually a single-player mode you can play that isn't part of the campaign, and you can get you know credits from it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he played it for, he played like three or four rounds, and he was, he was having a lot of fun. And then after one round, he found he looked at the bottom and said that there's a four-hour wait period until you can earn credits again. So you can keep playing Arcade Mode, but you don't earn credits anymore from playing it. So they've literally, the single-player version of the game that where you can get credits, they mm-hmm. lock you out from being able to get credits for a long time. <laughs> Because they know that people can just farm credits that way. Wow. Yeah, and he was like... He, he got like super... He just like threw his controller down. He's like, this is, this is crazy that I paid money for this game. And they are locking me out of stuff, even though I paid for it.
1: Because I remember back in the days of Halo Reach. By the way, best Halo game, don't at me. Um, where they had the firefight mode... Best mode in Halo. Don't at me. Where you could earn credits to buy things. They didn't even have microtransactions in Reach. It was all you had to grind to get like cosmetic upgrades for your Spartan, right? And you could do that. You could play the firefight mode to earn credits. I'm just imagining now. What if they had limited your ability to earn credits that way? And they could have really fucked with you. This is that they just made it worse. They made it worse.
0: Halo hey, reach really in the ske- grand scheme of things isn't that long ago. No. That wasn't even an idea. It was, yeah, let people play the game, let them earn credits however they want, and then they'll keep playing. Right. I mean, and I feel like games like Halo and the original, like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, have, they, the people are still playing those games, but nobody even cares about whatever the last Call of Duty was. I don't even know the fucking name of it anymore. Infinity
1: War or some yeah, shit. Yeah, something
0: like that. People stop playing that game when the new one comes out, and then they even stop playing those games six or so months in and just wait for the next one just in case. While some will still play those old games because there's not all this microtransaction bullshit, season pass bullshit. There's just normal video games that you could play. You paid full price for, it and you got what you want. And I mean, I know we keep harping on this, but it's true. I mean, we've we've come. From, we're not we're not super young. We're young-ish, mm-hmm. um, But we came from a generation where you paid for a game, and you got the whole game right then and there, and could do whatever you wanted with it. And But again,
1: the rate, the tendency of the rate of profit to fall is fucking for real, so they're having to find more ways to nickel and dime you. I also looked it up, and the last Call of Duty game that I remember was, in fact, titled Infinite Warfare, which is a hell of a title for a game, considering we've been stuck in Iraq and Afghanistan for, what, 17 fucking years now? People jokingly call it the Forever War, but remember that, like... Four months ago, their idea was to fucking turn it into a goddamn uh, a outer heaven style military mercenary dictatorship for fucking Blackwater. Yeah. Turn that dude into fucking the viceroy of, of Afghanistan. Yeah. Fucking
0: ridiculous shit. And yeah, that's that's really interesting because it's also kind of interesting what we're talking about. It's called infinite warfare because they want you to keep paying and playing forever. Right, yeah. They want this cycle to keep going and going and going, and getting more people.
1: I'm just. By the way, I just remember, my brain almost exploded because I just remember that fucking Oliver North was consulted on, what was it, Call of Duty Black, uh, Ops, Black Ops 2? Oliver North oh, was in a God. fucking commercial. Okay, for anyone out there who doesn't know, who isn't a fucking history nerd like me, Oliver North was a key player in the Iran-Contra scandal back in the fucking, like, 70s or some shit, and did, or the 80s, actually, probably, and this motherfucker jumped on the sword, he took the bullet, and if he hadn't this is a political bullet, not a real bullet. Um we would have fucking arrested probably Ronald Reagan. We would have changed the course of American history if Oliver fucking North hadn't decided to just take that one for the team. He's a war criminal, he should take it to the fucking Hague, fuck Oliver North. Agreed. hundred <laughs> percent agreed. Um But uh I did have another topic I wanted to talk about real quick. And that topic is that uh, I recently had what we call at work open enrollment, where you sign up for your insurances and stuff like that and your benefits yes. for the year. And I have, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I have a prosthetic leg. So I had to, it's a lot of money goes into these things. That? I don't know. How would they have Maybe known? they follow me on Twitter already. That's Maybe. how they found me. I talk about it a lot there. Um, I have a prosthetic leg, and it costs a lot to pay for the equipment for this thing. Recently, I went to the doctor or to the uh, prostheticist and I got new uh, liners for my leg, which are these like rubbery type things that go over the stump and they they basically are the interface between the, the stump and the, uh, the leg, the, the prosthesis. The um, and they handed me my bill, and my bill was $700. God damn. And this is after insurance had paid. This is after insurance. I met my deductible, all that was paid up my insurance pays uh, 60% of all uh, what we call durable medical equipment. $700 is half of all the money I have in the world. So I could not pay that. And we managed to work out a deal because I used to work there. They help us out. When I was with there, they were, they were free as a benefit to employees. But this time around, I decided, you know what? Screw it. It's only $12 more paycheck. I'll I'll just bite the bullet and I will let I'll get the, the higher uh, uh, insurance, right? The best insurance we have, yeah. Which for a single person comes out to like a hundred and three dollars out of every paycheck, not every month, every paycheck, a hundred and three dollars. Yeah. So I go to sign up for it, and it says that this insurance requires you to have what is called a primary care physician. This is the one doctor who is your big point of contact for other doctors. It's more bullshit on top of bullshit. you got to go see one guy, and he's like, okay, go to the ear, nose, and throat, dude. And it's like, I could have just gone in and begin with. Yeah. Whatever. But I go to sign up for it, and the guy had this PCP. Wish I had some PCP, I mm-hmm. have a different kind of PCP. Um, and it tells me, there's none in your county. And I was like, what? And so I started finagling with it, and I figured out there was not a primary care physician that was in network with this insurance within 50 miles of me. I had to go to Savannah, Georgia, to get to this primary care physician. So I just stayed with my insurance I already have because I can't afford to drive to Savannah. I can't take a day off from work to go to the fucking doctor anytime I get sick. So I just said, screw it. And that's amazing to me that insurance is so fucked up that even when you are like me and you're lucky enough to have a job that gives you insurance, which I am continually thankful for, that the best option requires you to have a doctor who may not even be anywhere near you because of the way these networks work. Yeah, but if we were to give people health care for free, that would be insane. That would be the worst thing that ever happened to our country. Yeah. Yeah, Obamacare is the <laughs> devil. <laughs> And Obamacare, I got problems with. It's only a half measure. It's, it's, only, not, it's, it's actually quite a quarter measure, yeah, to be honest. It's really, it's
0: not all the way there. When right. it, in reality, it should just be free. I don't see why it's not. We're mm-hmm. one of the only first world countries in the world that doesn't have
1: it. Imagine, imagine being a person who thinks that your ability to continue living should be directly linked to how much money you have. You mean any American? I mean, we do have that Protestant work ethic, that Puritan fucking view of the world still ingrained in us. And it's slowly eroded a little bit over time. But, like, it's insane to me that, okay, and you tell someone that's like, oh, but if you go to the doctor, they have to work on you in the emergency room. they got to save you. I'm like, yeah. And they stick you with a huge medical bill. bill. Right. And so you're just fucked. Like, there's no way around it. Hey, by the way, I saw an article the other day. He said that our costs for the military uh, action that they're calling it in Iraq and Afghanistan over the last 17 years is about to hit $11 trillion. And we can't give people health care.
0: Cut our military budget. I mean, I want to say 100%. Mm-hmm. But let's go 60% for now. Yeah. And funnel that into health care and we would all have... Uh, moon feet and
1: our, we could fly. Hey, know? time for an unpopular opinion for everybody out there. You might not like this, but I say we should recall all military assets from overseas and bring them back home and let the rest of the world sort its own shit out. Because every time we tried to help, we've made it worse in every situation that's about. Ever since World War II, anytime America has showed up on someone's doorstep saying, hey guys, we're here to help, we've made it yeah, worse. And it's
0: like, shit, America's here. Put away everything.
1: Yeah. Or they're gonna take it from you. Yes. Because don't forget, we only go intervene in people's in people's business when we think that when they're when the there's a profit somewhere to be made. When, that whole like thing about Bush went to war for oil. That's just not a joke. That's yeah. real. We really did that.
0: Yeah, that's the the joke that they make on a Chappelle show mm-hmm. when they ask Bush about oil. He's like, "Oil, you could get it. And then he just knocks over and runs away. Yes. Cause that's exactly what Bush did.
1: Mm-hmm. He went over there to finish what his daddy couldn't do. And he still failed, and Obama couldn't finish it. And guess what? We're still there. We're still there. I was in elementary school when we went to war. Uh, in well, when when nine eleven happened, and we're still fucking over there fighting the same fucking people, and there's no end to it in sight. Speaking of which, this is a good segue into a topic I wanted to talk a little bit about. Mm-hmm. The Punisher show came Netflix, out recently. Uh, television show or. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to call them anymore.
0: It's a Netflix show. A Netflix original, as they call them. Yes. Right. And uh, for, following Marvel's The Punisher after right. his standout performance in season two of Daredevil. Oh,
1: uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, so The Punisher, I've only watched two episodes so far of the show.
0: I've watched a half of an episode.
1: Of episode two, yes. The, the second half of episode two. Yeah. Um. And the show is has a sequence in the very beginning where it deals with veterans of several wars, but the main one being Iraq and Afghanistan. And it just goes to show you that we are sending people over there who are generally from the the lower end of the socioeconomic sp- uh, spectrum, uh, poor people, sign up for the military because, hey, it's a good way to get money and a good way to maybe raise yourself up out of the lifestyle that your parents lived in, which is probably poverty. And that's the offer they make you. And people buy it and they believe it. And I totally understand it. But then they come back and they're fucked up because they had to go over there and do bad shit, probably kill people. And then there's nothing for them over here. The military cuts them loose, the VA is terrible, no one wants to help them, and people distrust them and view them te- view them badly, uh, even though we talk about how much we want to support our veterans and how much we fucking give blowjobs to the military, thinking that we're going to fucking take care of them, but no one actually does. It's huge hypocrisy, and the show does point it out, yeah. and I gotta give a prop for that one thing that it does, at yeah. least.
0: There's this show that I'm, I'm a really, really big fan of um, called You're the Worst, it's on FXX, I think now. It's about to go into its fifth and final season next year. The season finale for season four just happened. And there's a character on the show named Edgar Quintero, who is a Hispanic guy who lives in LA, was in Iraq for a long time, um, comes back, becomes homeless, um, ends up living with one of the main characters. Even though the guy hates him and treats him terribly, he just lives there because it's something to do. And um, around the second season, they get into his troubles with the VA. Like, he'll go to the VA and he gets put on this cocktail of medication because he has terrible PTSD. And he takes medicine for a while and it doesn't help, and so he, he cuts off all of his medicine and starts to feel a little bit better. Um, sometimes with the help uh, help of uh, medical marijuana, and but one day he goes to the VA again, and they're like, "Oh, we can actually push you into this experimental like pro- program. It's like a like a VR program that kind of like helps you deal with PTSD and like has helped, been been told by psychiatrists that it works." And he was like, cool, sign me up. And then he goes to the head VA lady, and she's like, I'm so nice, so glad to meet you, Edgar. This is awesome. I'm glad you're going to be in this program. And then she's like, um, so what is your current cocktail, you know, what are you currently taking? He's like, oh, I cut off on my medicine three months ago because it wasn't helping. And then she's like, oh, well, then there's nothing we can do for you, and tells him to go. And he just, like, he just picks up a chair and just throws it against the wall and gets really mad. And she just, she just like, pushes a button on her desk and gets security to take him away. Because that's that's all he is to her. He's... You know, oh, so nice to meet you. then, as soon as he's not doing what they tell him to do, get out the door. We don't need you anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's when he officially turns to medical marijuana for his, um, for his problems. And it just goes to show that, I mean, they just don't care about you. You no. go fight for them. You know, he, Edgar, his family, his family of immigrants who came to America, he decides to fight for this country that isn't even his homeland, technically. And... They're always like, oh, now you're an American. You're a real American now, and we're going to protect you forever. And they don't. They just right. leave you out to dry, and there's there's nothing you can do about it. You can't fight them. And it's, it's terrible.
1: Mm-hmm. It's very disgusting to see these people who will say all these things about how they care about the veterans and how they want to help them. And by the way, I know I talked about how we should take all our military assets away from the world and bring them back home. And I still stand by that. We should not even have veterans, not because I don't like the military. Here's the thing. I stand by the troops I do not stand by the officers, the generals, the command structure that has decided to send them into these fucking shitty places to kill people and steal shit on our behalf. They should not have to do that. No one should be asked to do that. It should be shut down. But I support people who made the decision to go over there voluntarily and involuntarily in the past when they were drafted, also an illegal thing that our constitution should be against. I support those people because they didn't really have a choice. If your life is shitty, you're going to look for any kind of way to fix it. And the military offers you that solution. But then when you actually get into it and you do your time and you come back, they don't help you. And you know what? Fuck them for that. Because those people deserve to be helped. Because they went over there and they did they did things that no one should be asked to do for us. And we come back and we do nothing for them. And I feel like in a better society that would hopefully not have soldiers in war, but if they still did to have, have them... We would try and help them as much as we could and protect them from the after effects of what we asked them to do.
0: Yeah, and another thing that I, this is kind of on the same subject is um, military recruiters are insidious in a way because when I was in high school, um, I took this test called the ASVAB. I'm pretty sure everyone has to take it. And if you score high enough, um, the military really wants you. I, I scored very high on it. And for a long time, like when I was graduating high school, I got a lot of offers from Marines, Army, Navy. Every branch was like saying, hey, come come work for us or whatever. And the weirdest thing is I was like, okay, I'm in high school. I'm about to go to college. Thanks for the offers, but I'm not doing it. Um, I still would get mail every once in a while from them. But now, lately, I have been on a track where I'm getting about two text messages a week from numbers I don't know texting me saying, hey, this is 1st Sergeant bee boo and I, I want you to be come down to the recruitment office, and yes, I get these text even messages. in college? Yes. I'm, I'm in my fifth year of college now, and I'm still, since my freshman year, I've gotten text messages, and lately they've gotten even worse. I've been getting about two a week, and they get me on Facebook, too. They go on Facebook and message me, like, hey, I'm first colonel, whatever, and I want you to come down to the recruitment office, and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. This is, what stop. I've said no so many times, mm-hmm. and you really, sh- I mean, I know that our, especially for the military, our data is super public. And when I took that test, I obviously gave them all my information. Um, but they shouldn't be able to do that. They, sh- they should know when to stop. They shouldn't be able to just keep coming after people. And that's probably one of the reasons they get people to get in the military is after a while because, I mean, if somebody wasn't in a position like me where they were about to graduate college, maybe if they had dropped out or something. You know, they couldn't take it and they were in the workforce and they keep getting all these messages saying, hey, come you know, fight for your country. We're going to take care of you. It might get into your head and say, mm-hmm. well, fuck it. I might as well do it, right?
1: Persistence Even pays off.
0: They, they won't help you out in the end.
1: So I want to bring this up to you. Mm-hmm. I have an article here I wanted to talk to you about. All right. This article was from Business Insider.
0: That's my um, favorite
1: magazine. <laughs> by a, a person named Ebony, named uh, Tanza Loudenbeck. Um, That's the author's name. Yes. Okay. And the title of this, of this article is, and I want you to brace yourself for this. According to one estimate, wealthy couples in New York City need 190 million dollars to keep their heads above water. Hmm. What if I said you yeah, don't have to worry about having a head anymore? We can we can we could help you out with that.
0: Yeah, you don't no no one needs 190 million dollars.
1: Nobody barely needs 1 million dollars. Yeah. About 5% of Americans are millionaires. Most of them, about 95%, have between 1 million and 5 million. And many think that's just not enough. And they did this like... uh, They went through and did like some sort of uh, uh, analysis coming out what they call a happiness number uh, assigned how much wealth you have. And this is for a hypothetical, wealthy, non-working couple in their 40s with two teenage kids in an expensive private school in New York City. They live in a Parkside, 5th Avenue apartment. Buy art, take private jets donate to charity, and have a household staff, a chef, a driver, and a housekeeper, plus two vacation homes, they're also setting aside $25 million for each child to inherit. Okay. First of all, what's your thoughts on that? My, every time I see articles like
0: this, or people who criticize people who have a lot of money, or people who have no money, I always want to ask them, okay, you believe you need $190 million to keep your head above water in New York, What about somebody who doesn't make up? Somebody who even makes like $60,000 a year in New York, which is, I mean, not that great for New York, but Mm -hmm. it's it's enough money to to get you by. Ask them, hey, is your head above water right now? I mean, they'll probably say, I mean, you know, life gets tough sometimes, but I'm here and I don't don't need um, an extravagant amount of money to Mm -hmm. keep living the way that I do. And that's the thing is all those things they just listed, you know, that apartment, the kids' college fund and all that stuff. I didn't have a college fund. I'm in college. I'm going I'm to pay for it out of the ass once I get a job. But I'm in college, and I didn't need $25 million put aside for me. And, yeah, they keep saying this, but they don't think about there's plenty. There's 95% of Americans who live not like that and don't mm-hmm. make that much money and still have their heads above water in at least some sense and are just fine. So you don't need that much money, obviously, because there's plenty of people who live without it. I live without that much
1: money. <laughs> so let's check this out. I'll check out the couple of, of breakdowns I have here. Alright. For real estate, eighteen million dollar apartment on Fifth Avenue facing Central Park, two million dollars for furniture and decor, twenty million dollars for a weekend home in the Hamptons, and a vacation spot in the Caribbean. You don't need any of that though. No. You, you can don't live in a regular two bedroom
0: apartment in New York, um for yeah, nowhere near that much money.
1: First of all, housing should be free for everybody. Oh, yeah. well, of course. We got we have more houses in America than there are people, way more houses than we have empty houses and we have homeless. You do the math on what should happen there. Yeah. Listeners. I mean, most things should be free anyway. Yeah. Education. $1.7 million, a child for a no-expense-spared educational strategy, which includes private school and tutors, music lessons, sports, trips abroad, and a four-year Ivy League education.
0: I read any of that. I'm mm. fine.
1: Uh, philanthropy. $25,000 annually to sit on the board of the New York City Museum, plus $15,000 to table at annual charity events.
0: It's funny how the first number that has the, has 1,000 in it is that what they give to charity. Yeah, Everything else is just for themselves. If anything, I would, be, I would be fine if they said, oh, we give $90 million a year to charity. I'd be like, mm-hmm. okay, that's fine. I, I love that. But no, the 1,000 is when the charity comes in.
1: I just want to point out that uh, people consider this gauche to talk about uh, uh, what you make at work. I make twenty five thousand dollars a year. That's what I have to live on. That's my gig, buy money, and it's also their contribution to some museum to sit on a board. What do you do on the board? What does any? Hold on a second. What do any boards do for anything? I always hear about board members and board meetings and executives. What are they doing in those meetings and, and this board?
0: I imagine that some boards do stuff, but I don't understand what an art museum board does. They just—should
1: we show the Rembrandt or the Van Gogh? Yes. Let's show the Michelangelo. It was a you pain, know what? right? We got room. Let's show them both. Let's show them both. Drinks on me, guys. Let's <laughs> go. Staff: One hundred ninety thousand dollars annually for a driver, a chef, and a housekeeper. Hey, isn't that a sixty k a year? Isn't yeah, that sixty k each? That's what you're talking about. These people are living that 60k life in New York being their driver, chef, and housekeeper. Which, God forbid, having to deal with rich people every day. have to
0: put in fucking weird ass long hours whenever they want you to?
1: Now, hold on to your ass about this one. Art 20 million to 100 million a piece in a seven or eight piece collection, or about 1 million annually.
0: Yes, and these people, they, they call art an investment, which, in I mean, of course it is. A lot of art does appreciate, but there's also going to be a point where it's not, mm-hmm. and somebody's just going to be like, well, one day, whenever the 1% loses, we're just going to burn all those stupid paintings <laughs> because they're not worth shit anymore. Let
1: me see. What I have here in art is I have a, I have a, a, a poster of the uh, uh, the Empire Strikes Back which, movie. by the uh, way,
0: that poster of the Empire Strikes Back Is better than anything I've ever seen from Van Gogh or any of those guys. Mm -hmm. It looks fucking rad and it costs you like 20, 15 bucks.
1: Yeah. I also have a knockoff like MC Escher painting, which is not on the uh, wall. It was drawn by a local artist. Yeah, and the the
0: frame. (laughs) It was on the wall and it
1: fell on the frame, bro. It did do that, yeah. Now here's for our last one. This is probably the one that gets me the most. All right. Health and Beauty. $150,000 annually for wardrobe, grooming, trainers, and cosmetic procedures. Well, that
0: just checks out. I mean,
1: mean, the picture of the person they have at the top of this article is like the most plastic-looking person ever. And, I mean, trying to keep your head above water, I got a lot of oil in that face, man. That's probably why you can't swim. Uh, And the rest of this article is just a bunch of bullshit. You proud of yourself
0: for that one? Hmm? The oil in the face joke? Yeah. proud of yourself? I'm very proud of that. Okay.
1: Uh, one guy who is a multimillionaire, uh, said, I still feel to some extent that I don't have enough money. Said by Thomas Gallagher, a multimillionaire, um, emotionally, I don't come from money. I got very lucky on wall street. I've been dealing with a myriad of psychological issues since I retired. I have more money than I ever imagined. And I still worry. Do I have enough? If I live longer than I thought I got good news for you, Thomas. Uh, if everything goes correctly, you won't live that long, my friend.
0: Yeah. And also, for anyone out there who just has a ton of money and doesn't think they have enough, uh, do me one favor, look at where you live, it's probably LA, New York, Seattle, somewhere really big, uh, move to a country home in Connecticut, and you will have... You will be Bill Gates of that neighborhood. You, you will never need any more money ever. And if you ever have any business in Seattle or anywhere, just fly there. Mm-hmm. You'll be
1: fine. How about you move down here to Georgia, where uh, people subsist on below the poverty line amounts of yeah, money to make get by. Fifteen
0: thousand dollars a year here and live
1: in our town that has no industry whatsoever and yeah, is dying like slowly.
0: a Population of four to five thousand people.
1: To bring us back around to video games again. Yes, it's been our sort of our overarching topic. Yes. Let's all talk about everyone's favorite video game man, Notch. Notch. Notch, uh, who uh, outbid who, Jay-Z and Beyonce for a house. And in
0: case you don't know who Notch is, Notch is the creator of Scrolls. Mm, it is a, a trading
1: card Trading card
0: game? 3D tactics game. Mm, yeah. Also oh. Minecraft.
1: Oh yeah, that the game too. Yeah. Um... That dude is uh, uh, more than a billionaire. He lives in a giant empty house in Los Angeles that he outbid Jay-Z and Beyonce for. Uh, and basically, he has the epitome of get a bunch of money and do nothing with it. Just sit on it. And uh, become an
0: awful person.
1: Right. Yeah, because here's the thing. Sure, he's not the richest person. Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, they have more money than Notch for sure. Yes. And they also sit on their money as well. They've piled it up and piled it up. Then what could they possibly spend it all on? <clears throat> UBI and you know, universal health care. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, but this guy literally just sits in a house all day and spends his money on nothing. And he came from like, what I guess is like Sweden or somewhere. Yes. Uh, one of those, you know, Scandinavian socialized countries where all your stuff's paid for by the government. Made a bunch of money and then just did nothing with it. And I guess to spite people and has turned into like some sort of Nazi, I suppose, over
0: the years. Well, don't forget he he is always the top donor for humble bundle mm. so i mean
1: well there you go yeah give money to the the humble bundle really really a great measure there but yeah so we have people like this in our i mean in our community as well uh, who don't do anything with the money they have They just sit on it and it's not benefiting anyone to take that cash that you have and not put it back in the system and again This is us talking in terms of how the world currently is and how it works. We are not endorsing the way things are. hell no. It should be very different. And in our ideal society, you wouldn't be able to pile up money like this and keep it forever. And you also wouldn't have to listen to a guy in a suit tell you you got to put loot boxes in your video game to hit a certain price point. Or lock away certain content behind a fucking season pass. These would be decisions that are made by the workers in the shop, who vote on these things democratically, because here's what scares people most about socialism. People think socialism and communism are like this totalitarian society thing where we're gonna own your toothbrush or something. We've yes. all we've all heard the we're gonna own your toothbrush. By the way, I'm coming with that toothbrush, Bill Gates. I'm yeah. gonna we'll take that toothbrush. But the real fact of the matter is that no one talks about, because in American schools you're indoctrinated to not know what socialism and communism are, is... It's democracy in the workplace. It's people voting and coming to a decision on what the best course of action is. You don't listen to a boss. If you have a boss, they're elected. You said, we want you to run this place. You take the supervision roles, and maybe we'll recall you. You Maybe be will replaced. Maybe we can vi- we'll let you again because you're good. It's democracy applied to your work. And we're a country that supposedly values democracy above all other things. But in reality... We don't. Do we? Not really.
0: If you actually were to look up the real definition of democracy, you would see that America is a sham. I mean, it's not there's nothing we don't do anything close to real democracy, especially within corporate structures yeah. and within just the the thing that we do in and out every day.
1: Oh yeah, a real quick note before we go on what you have to say? Um Which I'm sure you do have a topic you want to talk about that you told me about earlier. Uh, This whole, like, personal private property thing that everyone doesn't understand. Real quick rundown. Uh, Private property is property that you can use to gain capital out of. Like, uh, let's say, a building that you run a business out of or it's a a factory. Uh, Your personal property are things like your toothbrush and your car and your TV and your house Things that no one has to take away from you because you can't gain money off of your toothbrush. No yes. one cares about taking that away from you. But if you own private property, which I'm pretty sure like 95% of Americans do not own private property, that things that produce, you know, value, we're not worried about you. We're not coming for you. You can keep that.
0: Yeah. Understandable. And so I that's something I kind of want to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. It's more on the politics side of stuff. Um, so you've heard about, I have his name right here, I forget it, I've, I've looked at my phone 80 times trying to remember this guy's name. I just, I have it up here though. You heard about Wesley Goodman? I have not, I know. Uh, well you've probably heard the story of the anti-LGBTQ politician who got caught with a male escort.
1: Yeah, I did see about office. that, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so, I was reading this, and it's weird because this stuff happens a lot. It's very common for an anti, like, staunchly anti-LGBT person who doesn't necessarily have to be you, you can still be a republican conservative asshole and not be anti-lgbt but who is this way and then you find that they are an lgbt or at least somewhere on the spectrum of sexuality that leads them to where you know they're gay or something else even though they are staunchly against it and i'm starting to wonder like, what do you what do you think is the root cause of stuff like this
1: i mean it's easy for me it's grift it's grifting it's There is a huge community of people in America, bigger than we want to admit, and I think that the the election of Donald Trump proved this for a lot of people, of folks who are vehemently anti-LGBT for religious or or, or personal reasons, who knows. And people, and you see this all over, you see these people who will come out and say things against whatever minority they belong to in order to grift these people out of money. Like you can see it with a... um, I was thinking my my big example for me, because I'm a disabled person, would be uh, Oscar Pistorius, who is you know we call everybody calls him the Blade Runner, the guy who runs the two blades in South Africa, killed a woman, got yes, away with it, no millionaire by the way, who always talks about how he's you know one of those libertarian types to pull himself up on bootstraps, and the simple fact is it's a grift. You can be a person of a minority and realize that people hate your minority, and you can then be the anti-minority of your subgroup and make money off of those people who can then point to you and say, see, even they agree with us.
0: Yeah. Easy way to make money. Milo, you're not.
1: Get power. Yes. Um,
0: so, but I was reading this article... Uh, I was reading it posted on the r slash news subreddit. And one of the top comments that got... You don't know much about Reddit, but... If you you like a really good comment. People really like it. They can give you Reddit gold, which is kind of like a, a premium version of Reddit that isn't really that much different, but it's just kind of a cool way to, hey, I like your comment a lot. Here's gold. So on this... this um, I just forgot his name again. Um, Wesley Goodman mm-hmm. article. Somebody posted a pretty cool comment that I think maybe kind of sums up... You're, 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 you could definitely have a, 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 an interesting idea, but here's their idea. Yeah. Um, so it says that if you're attracted to men, but you were taught that it was wrong, then it's easier to believe everyone has homosexual thoughts, but openly gay people just have really poor discipline. It's an easier truth to accept than, I'm gay, which is an abomination. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes you much angrier at gay people because they, ha- they make you question your faith to your scripture, and you've devoted your life to oppressing your urges, and these people show no respect for your commitment. A heterosexual religious person has no reason to feel resentment to gay people, the gay people are living in sin, but it doesn't influence the heterosexual at all. They just don't understand the attraction. This makes me question. This makes them question the sexuality of most homophobes because there really isn't that much a gay person can do to upset you unless you're attracted to them, which is also. I mean, it's kind of more of maybe not. He's a political, savvy guy who's like, oh, I know what I can do to get votes. Maybe, I mean, it could just be his puritanical upbringing of him being like, mm. you know... He's repressing yes, his sexuality. I'm not gay. Everyone has gay thoughts. Mm-hmm. Gay people are just bad at being people. Right. You know, and so that's why he maybe he tries to hide it and maybe, and that's something that I think is, it's something that isn't quite, I mean, it is left, you know, to be accept LGBT people and all this. Um, and it's very, it's kind of where liberals are really lying right now and just basic liberals like centrist liberals are very, oh, we're, we're cool with gay people. That's our thing. You know, they don't, not, they're not really into the economic side of it all, which could really improve society. And that's something that, that um, they're going for, and it might be a way, because before you can skew people entirely left, I do think a lot of people will have to be skewed liberal centrist before mm-hmm. they can be skewed to the left. It's a progression. And I think that's a way to do it. Um, cause you hear, like, this isn't the first time this has happened. This is... I stuff like this happening back when I was in middle school. Like yeah. You'd hear some anti-gay politician caught with a gay escort in a bathroom.
1: Yeah, something. that was the big one. That first guy was yes. the first one I really remember happening. Yeah, and
0: it's happened several times since then. Somebody who's anti-something being found with someone else. Anti-abortion people paying for people to have abortion. Mm-hmm. All this kind of stuff. And I feel like we're, we're, we should be, over time, developing a society which is a little more accepting of those kinds of things. So that you won't, there won't be any anti-LGBT senators, because who will care anymore? It's every people are just people. And I think that that's something, which we kind of talked about last week with a uh, side chick culture, of mm-hmm. the puritanical, evangelist, waspy nature of our country can be slowly broken down and create something better on the other end. I think things like this happening, maybe people, people accepting themselves more is going to leave people more the left of the center and then farther out as they go
1: right because the problem the problem with with liberals in general is that they only care about uh, sort of like there's just okay hold on' we're too, we're too white we're two white men all right we have we an issue we have an issue obviously with minority representation on the left in a lot of situations yes. minorities are not well apportioned and we get that thrown at us a lot. To accuse us of certain things, which I think we don't, we are not. I don't think that the left is racist, or that it's sexist, or it's misogynist, or transphobic. Right? Yeah, that's the whole. That's the whole part of the left. But here's the thing, and it's that um, the the main issue of it all is people uh, in power, particularly the Democratic Party and liberals, uh, don't care about the economic justice. They care about social justice, which I also care about social justice. I think that social justice and economic justice have to work side by side to advance people into the future, into a better, more just future for everybody. But they only care about the social side of it because social stuff is, first of all, super polarizing for a lot of people, but economic stuff is not quite so polarizing because everyone agrees that shit's bad and it should be better. And the Democratic Party and a lot of liberals are not interested in engaging with that economic theory because their power structures rely on those donors, those big dollar donors, to give them money so that they can then continue to perpetuate their power and lose races to to conservatives in a lot of cases who will speak to certain things. But the conservatives also aren't concerned with this. But the issue is that the left party of America is the Republicans of everywhere else. Yes. Because they're more interested in making money and getting that paper from their big business people than they are about advocating for policies that would help everyone. And here's the thing about it, too, as well, is everyone thinks about who is the biggest social uh, justice, civil rights person in America? Who was the greatest hero we ever had for that?
0: Martin Luther King
1: Jr. Exactly. And here's the thing, though. When do they kill him?
0: Uh, right before anything big could happen.
1: No, they killed him right before the Poor People's March oh, yeah, on Washington, D.C. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, see, yeah. that's the thing. They let the whole, like, civil rights stuff happen because they realized that okay, that's fine. See, if you look at the end of the Civil War when uh, slavery was destroyed, slavery didn't actually get destroyed, my friend. Look up sharecropping. It's slavery 2.0, but now for everybody. Yes. Um, they were like, okay, we can we can give ground on the social side. We can let black people have the same rights as white people. Not particularly happy about that, but they'll let it happen because people who, people who actually run things were like, we'll make this sacrifice. But the second the MLK started talking about communism and started talking about a plight of poor people, boom, they fucking killed him. And I guarantee you right now, hey, everybody, reality check, the government killed Martin King Jr. That dude was a hired hitman. Don't at me. This isn't a
0: conspiracy theory. Yeah. I mean, this is is basic fact. And um, before we close this episode out, I kind of wanted to go on to what you just said. Um, And the reason that I think that liberals and uh, basic Democrats decide to attack social justice stuff instead of economic stuff is because, like you just mentioned, you can give people social justice. You can make gay, trans, minorities. You can make them all equal in the end, which they should be. Yes, and they'll they'll be equal. But you can still keep these structures intact that will keep money flowing up to the top. Mm-hmm. But if but people are a lot more hesitant towards economic justice because it will be a huge change. Like America will not look the same. No. Um, once socialism wins it'll be it'll be very different people don't like that idea you can you can imagine going outside and seeing a trans minority gay couple holding hands but it's a lot harder to be like well you know i, I can't make a million 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 dollars whatever i want you know that's not a possibility anymore mm-hmm. um and people people are very scared of that
1: yeah and um, the big thing is is that they can give people their these rights but those rights don't mean anything. Your right to vote, your right to enfranchise, in, enfranchisement doesn't matter if you can't actually exercise it because your job requires you to work on voting day or you can't make it to the polls so you don't have a, you don't have a car. You can't take time off to go over there. That's the insidious part is we can say on paper that everyone is equal, but in the end, that equality is meaningless if you can't actually exercise it. And that's the reason why they're so threatened by economic justice. Because economic justice would then allow those people, empowered by social justice, to actually make a change. And that's what's scarier to the rich. They don't want the opinions of minorities to ever ever change the way society is and that's why we haven't seen a substantial change to society because those people the minorities of the world trans gay black different people of color are kept down by these economic policies which prevent them from actually going out and exercising their right to vote and changing things for for the future and socialism wants that to be different we want everyone to be equal on all levels of life both arenas
0: yes And we're going to close, we'll probably close this out in just a second. mm -hmm. Um, just to close the episode off, something that we're not scared of, something that can make us a little bit happy. Next week is going to be a Star Wars episode.
1: Okay. Yeah. We're
0: going to talk about Star Wars. We're going through and watching all the movies right now. Um, not that we haven't seen them before. Oh yeah. And we're very hyped for The Last Jedi. So we're going to get into that and take a little bit of a break from all the other stuff. But, of course, we can still weave other stuff in. Oh, I've
1: got many political thoughts on Star Wars. So
0: we've got a lot of stomping around. We could probably do ten episodes if we wanted to. Yeah. But that's next weekend. So, Yeah. yeah. For the Millennials Podcast, I'm senior executive host Seth.
1: And I'm just Smith.
0: All right. Bye. Take it easy.